This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Coach Jen from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Karen Chatton from Gardnerville, Nevada. And you are to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for March 8, 2022, episode 2886, brought to you by the World Equestrian Center. Good morning, Horse World. When your start time's on Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday... And it doesn't get much better than best conditioned. And completing the challenge is the challenge. You're an endurance rider. And welcome back, Karen. Karen stops by the second Tuesday of every month and we get to geek out on all things endurance. How's it going? Really good. I've been starting to ride the new horse more regularly. We're getting out on the trail. We're doing arena lessons and more training and I've got a new friend that's been riding with me on uh, taking my horse Apollo, and so the two horses get to go together. So that's been really kind of cool. We're uh, looking forward to doing that more and more as the weather gets better. Now, you have two guys right now, Apollo uh-huh. and Jovi. For people who, yes. aren't reg- who, who don't hang out on Endurance Day regularly, give me a quick introduction of Apollo and, jo- and Jovi. Apollo's my Anglo Arab, and uh, he's a big boy. I'd say fifteen three, but he's much just much. He's super sized, let's say. And then little Jovi, uh, Ben Jovi is his name. I call him Little Joe because he's fourteen two. So he's like a mini version, <laughs> but he's perfect for me because I'm only fifteen one myself. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh it's nice having a little bit shorter horse and he's built like a tank he's a cmk bred arabian which they tend to do pretty good in the sport of endurance and um so yeah we're we've been uh working things out he seems completely healed and recovered from having that sarcoid last year and so we're starting to make some progress and um looking forward to getting some conditioning on him so I can and then taking him to some events so I can see how his brain handles that in preparation for taking him on an endurance ride. Woohoo. So I know. Jovi being the smaller, stockier sort of little guy, and I've I've been watching your Facebook page carefully, and he's kind of a chunk. <laughs> All my horses seem to be that way. I'm, yeah. But you know, he's got these just wonderful big feet. I mean, his feet are bigger than Apollo's. So maybe he's not, he's not a chunky horse. He's vertically challenged. He's actually a really big horse with short legs. He is. And you know, yeah. And he takes a wide tree, of course. (laughs) So it just feels almost the same as riding the bigger horse. It's just that I'm much shorter to the ground, which I prefer as I get older. (laughs) (laughs) Now, is is it a challenge to have two horses? Because your horses live at your home. Is it a challenge to have two horses with very different um, metabolisms? Because I'm guessing that Apollo... 
being needs an more food. he's an Arabian thoroughbred, he's got very different caloric needs. Is that a bit of a challenge? Um, it kind of is, you know, especially little Joe, he is such a foodie, which actually works to my benefit for training. Um, cause he'll do anything for a little piece of carrot. So <laughs> it, yeah, it, it's, uh, so I do separate them a couple times a day, uh, so that, um, we don't end up with an obese horse. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's cool. Well, it's great to hear that springtime is coming to your part of the universe and that you're able to hop up on the ponies and, and get them out there and get them, get them started training. Yeah. Woo-hoo. Now, I know one of the things we get, we've been getting, um, we hear a lot right now cause it, it's springtime. Things are really kicking into gear for, America as a whole, because here in Florida, we're a little bit spoiled because we have we kind of have show season year round, but the rest yeah. of the world is getting back into things. And we're constantly hearing what's going on at WEC. What's going on at WEC? World Equestrian Center Ocala is the hot ticket right now. And everybody's going, well, who's competing? What's going on at the restaurants? What's coming up? Well, you can find all of that. It's really nice. You can find all of the latest and greatest in something called the World Equestrian Center magazine. That was really smart to start that. It is a really beautiful quarterly publication that you can either read it online at uh on on issue issuu or you can get an old-fashioned print copy they carry the copy at the horse show office and also at the hotel lobby and that comes out quarterly as i said and this month's edition the edition just dropped and i popped it open this morning early and they have something called the tech equestrian that's going to i'm surely be a regular feature in there and they highlight some either software or hardware or app that comes out that's that's new and great because that's the the latest and greatest in the horse business so i'm really enjoying the tech equestrian feature they also feature a behind the scenes with one of the chefs at the restaurants because the food is amazing there um, so you can check that out uh, quarter as i said it comes out quarterly and the nice part about the online issue is you can't lose it <laughs> if you read two articles <laughs> like you know i want to go back and finish reading my magazine i you, you can't lose track of it it's right there on the computer and you can find the online version at wec.net or pick up a copy at weck ocala Woohoo! Now, this is the time for our tip, something else that you don't want to lose. Every month, um, Karen does a tip. And the tips, we call them endurance tips, but they're tips for everybody. And uh, this month's tip has something to do with electrolytes, something that most competitive horses have to deal with. Yes, electrolytes and how to get them in your horse versus on your horse or on yourself or on the ground, (laughs) (laughs) which is it's part of, you know, the training and conditioning process is teaching your horse how to accept a syringe and also learning how and when to electrolyte because timing can be everything. You know, some horses can accept it more readily than others while others make it more difficult. I mean, I've had a horse go for miles and when we got to the next water stop spit out the electrolytes they can hold it in their mouth you know others turn into giraffes and then others are just perfectly fine with it so you know you've got to kind of work on all of that that's all part of training so that you learn you know if you go ahead and switch your horse going into a vet hold is it going to throw them off of eating and drinking or is it better to wait till the middle or the end of the vet hold Or is your horse going to be more comfortable just 
if you put the electrolytes in their food or salt, whatever you prefer to use that works for your horse, you know, one of the things I've used for years that has worked well for me is to do a sweet water mix. Because if they drink it along with a couple gallons of water that has the salt or electrolytes in it, that's really ideal, you know. But again, you've got to practice ahead of time. Let your horse, you know, know what the, you know, what it is you're doing and, uh, you know, get them used to it so that they can anticipate, you know, my horse has learned that they loved the uh, sweet water mix, which it isn't really sweet. What it is, it's two cups of stabilized rice bran with three or four gallons of water with one or two ounces of salt or a pre-made electrolyte mixture. So you can practice using different horse feeds, you know, the uh, complete feeds and um, the different brands of food that you may already be feeding your horse and put it into the water and let them learn what, you know, their preference is. You yeah. know, the rice, the stabilized rice bran always seemed to work really well for me. And, it, and I tried to do it as a treat or I do it ahead of time, like before I was going to travel a long distance to a ride or something. Well, yeah, that way you get, so, the, you get the electrolytes and the liquid in there because one without it, the other is not ideal. Exactly. And they start out more, you know, better hydrated that way. <clears throat> what I, the other thing I found with the sweet water is once they drink it, it seems to encourage them to drink more regular water. So if you do offer sweet water, you want to also offer just clean, plain water as well. And, <clears throat> and usually you will see an increase in the amount your horse is drinking, and and that seems to work pretty good. Um, for teaching the horse to use a syringe, that's just something you need to practice. You can practice using applesauce or even just plain water. Um, I've been training Jovi from his back to reach around and grab the little bites of carrot so that eventually I hope to train him so I'll be able to syringe him from his back. I used to do that with my first endurance horse. And uh, this little guy, he's super flexible. So, uh, yeah, we're uh, looking forward. It's it's kind of fun doing some of this new stuff with the new horse. There you go. And don't be afraid to think outside the box when it comes to flavors that might encourage your horse to consume either something out of a bucket or something mm-hmm. out of a syringe because not all horses like applesauce not all horses like syrup uh, i discovered that nigel loves licorice so things that uh-huh. are licorice flavored uh-huh. really get yes. it going so there you go and if, and if i put too much salt in apollo's mash he won't eat it he's kind of finicky so he can only do like a half a dose whereas Joby I think I could dump in a whole pound and he would eat it because he's a hoover so that's again why it's important to practice on during your normal training and conditioning regimens or just at home because things can well you know Jen you've you've been to some rides you know how your horse's brain can transform when they get to an event and there's other horses and all this stuff going on so the more you practice ahead of time you know then it's going to be easier on you and your horse that's right and and even practice um how when, when like you said when your horse is getting these things because circumstances can change some horses want to drink when they're drinking with other horses, some horses want to drink when they can have a little privacy. Some horses want to drink out of a particular type of container. So mm-hmm. take note of all those things and, you, and really use them to your horse's advantage. Mm-hmm. Yes, I've had a couple horses over the years that have decided 
they like a particular bucket <laughs> or a particular feed pan. Yeah. They train us, you know. Yep. <laughs> but you know what we won't do for our horses, you know, we'll we do everything for them. We try to to try to make them you know, as healthy and comfortable as it can be while we compete with them and enjoy riding them. There you go. And don't you have your favorite coffee cup, right? I do. See, horses do too. And thinking of speaking of favorites, let's get Kristen from the Distance Depot on because she's our favorite endurance tech store. Well, good morning, Kristen. Thanks for joining us this morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. It's Karen and Jennifer. Hi, Karen and Jennifer. Hey, hey, well, hey. Hey, 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 we're looking forward to talking about the different types of girths and the saddle pads that you have. Awesome. Okay, well, um, we have lots and lots. It's, it's a little overwhelming for a lot of people we hear um, of, uh, you know, the variety of saddle pads that we do carry. Um, and one of the questions we get asked a lot are the differences between, what is the difference between the woolback and the coolback? Um, of the Toklat um, line that we have. So I'll try to explain that quickly. The coolback material comes in colors, so your blues, reds, blacks, browns, purples, um, and so on. And it's a hospital-grade synthetic, so top-of-the-line synthetic material, uh, machine washable, and you can use color-safe bleach if you're using and training with a lot of different horses. Um, so that's a nice um, option for those who are training using different, you know, lots of different horses and putting these pads back and forth um, to help, you know, keep that bacteria down. All of these pads wear like iron. The woolback is a creamy wool, um, so that's what is against the horse and, and not available in colors. Um, also wears like iron and just you know, available in dressage styles, endurance styles, English styles, Western. Um, so we have lots of different pads. And as I say, I know all of this is overwhelming. You can always contact us and any of our customer service folks can um, help demystify some <laughs> some of the... Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yes, and um, these pads do indeed last forever. I've got um, Toklat Woolback pads that are... 25 years old or older that I've used on several different horses for a lot of miles and they just keep going and going and going. They do. And, and they're awesome. And there's different, like in the wool backpad, for example, there are three different wools. There's a English wool, which is, you know, half inch wool, two pieces sewn together to make a one inch pad. So it's pretty thin, probably better suited for short distances or maybe the show ring. So that's a, a nice option. We happen to stock the regular Western wool, which is two pieces of one-inch wool sewn together um, to make a two-inch two pad. And then mm -hmm. the triple thick, of course, goes on, and um, it's a big, heavy pad. So if you're having, you know, if you're a heavier rider, that might be an option. But mostly we sell the regular Western wool. I'd say for sure that's the most popular. But all of these pads can be ordered in any of those three wools. Um, so if that's something or if there's a Toklat pad style that you don't see on our website, it's always something we can order. All of the Toklat girths and the pads are made to our specifications. So they're 
you know, the options or, um, you know, they're just almost unlimited as to what you can do with these products. So if there's something you don't see, let us know and we can surely get it on order for you. Okay. And what about your girths? So, yeah. So the, the same cool back and the wool back girths um, are available. We do put um, elastic on both ends of the girths. We use stainless steel roller buckles, which is really nice. And this elastic um, is super nice for the horse, whereas when they're working really hard and they get to climbing or cantering along, this elastic is not one of those, like, super stretchy, like, you can pull it and really notice that it's elastic, but it's a good, strong elastic that won't overstretch, but it does allow the ribcage to expand when the horse Mm -hmm. is really working hard. So I like the fact that, that these girths have that elastic in them. It's a really nice feature. And of course you can get them English style with the two um, stainless steel roller buckles on each end. And then the Western style also has a roller. So it just makes it easier when you're girthing up Um, comes in the, we have both styles, the cool back and the wool back for um, both the English and the Western. Okay. And if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, how would they do it? Absolutely. They can visit us at www.thedistancedepot.com or give us a call toll-free, 866-863-2349. Terrific. Thank you, Kristen. Our first guest this morning is Jeannie Pepper, who lives in the West region. She's been riding endurance since the 80s. Her first ride was Tavis. And now she's riding her Mustang Tahoe into her 70s. She's ridden over 6,595 miles or um, broken down by number of rides. That's 510 rides. Good morning, Janae. Thank you for joining us. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing a little bit about your endurance riding history and experiences. So tell us, how did you get started in the sport? Well, um, it was a horse. Uh, (laughs) A horse, of course. I was looking for a companion animal for my 17 three-hand dressage horse, and someone offered up a free Arab that was in their backyard with their goat, and I went to look at him, and long story short, I brought him home. I found out who his last registered owner was, and it turned out that he was a Region 1 Supreme Regional Champion Natrack horse in his former okay. life, and he was only 12 years old, um, and so I thought, well, that sounds like fun, and I learned about Natrack and did a couple Natrack rides, and at a Natrack ride, I saw someone wearing a Tevis buckle, and I said, oh, where's that from, <laughs> and she said, this is a Tevis buckle, and I said, oh, I want one of those, and she gave me such a look of disdain, because I was so obviously incredibly green and uh-huh. not knowledgeable, <laughs> And um, sure enough, a year later, I went to Tevis and did Tevis, and it was my first endurance ride, and we completed. Uh, That was 1989? No, 1980. 1980. Okay. 42 years ago. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay, and so then move us along. How did things go for continuing forward for you? Well, um... Along the trail in Tevis, when I was crying most of the ride because I was <laughs> so out of my depth, 
I was not a trail rider. I was a dressage rider and a hunter jumper from the East Coast. So this was a shock to be on the Tevis Trail. But um, I had promised that horse that um, if he got me through this ride, he would never have to work hard again. So I kept my promise. I only did, I think, one or two rides on him after that. And then I started looking for horses. And I have been so fortunate in finding just wonderful horses along the way. And all of them have um, increased my skills and just been great partners. And that's what I've been doing for 42 years is riding wonderful horses down the trail. So tell us about your current horse. Oh, my. (laughs) The current horse is a Mustang. And I saw him advertised on Craigslist. And he was listed as a Mustang Morgan Cross, which he's not. Um, and he was listed as having been ridden by children. And so I thought, well, I'm old. You know, I was uh, in my mid to late 60s at the time. I thought, I want a bomb-proof, children-proof horse to take me into my golden years. Well, <laughs> that wasn't Tahoe. <laughs> uh, you know, they, you got to watch out on the, the truth in the advertising thing. Uh-huh. Um, it turned out after I purchased him that uh, he was never ridden by children, but he was very safe on the ground, so children used to uh, be used um, to groom him and handle him on the ground. But he's an incredibly strong-willed, powerful horse. And after four years of training in this stable, they could never get him to be um, paced around a jump course, although... He was shown, he has his A pony card, and um, he can jump three foot six courses, but you can't pace him. So, of course, he tears around like a maniac. Oh, and, no. Um, <laughs> and anyway, I bought him. I brought him home, and he's, he's one of the fastest horses out of all the horses that I've ever had. And incredibly strong. Just an incredible athlete. But he's difficult. He's difficult to ride. He's difficult mm-hmm. to pace on the trail. But he loves it. He absolutely loves it. Sure, those kinds of horses usually do, don't they? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but I was hoping, you know, for something very calm and, and serene, and I would be, you know, mid-pack. And instead, he's, um, I think he has 17 top 10 finishes in a row, and he's won two best conditions. And I'm a featherweight, so... Um, it's not that easy to win best condition when you're right. And I've never mm-hmm. won a ride. So, you know, it's, it's all him, you know, people can attest to the fact that I'm running down the trail yelling, Whoa. And he's <laughs> <laughs> just going, hang on, ma, we're going, <laughs> don't know where we're going, going fast. Oh my gosh. So what, what's the favorite ride that you've done with him? Oh gosh. Favorite ride with him. Boy, I don't know. It would probably have to be um, Chalk Rock because um, I, I just really love that ride. It was one of the first ones that I ever did, and he did win a best condition on that ride. So, uh-huh. And Cuneo. I love Cuneo, too. They're, you know, Our Northern California rides are so gorgeous with the views sure. and the redwoods, and, and the, you know, the climate up here is just ideal for endurance for the most part. You know, We don't have the extreme heat and it's rare 
that it would be raining or anything like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I love so all did, of them. Really, did, I love all did he, of them. Did he turn out to be a full Mustang? Uh, yes, I did do his DNA. And um, he's, he's from a reservation, so he's not a BLM horse. Um, so I couldn't check any, um, tattoos or anything, but I did his DNA profile and, um, it was, he does have Arab in his DNA, but that doesn't mean that there's an Arab, um, sire or dam anywhere in his close by pedigree. Mm -hmm. It just means that, um, somewhere along the line, there's some markers from Arabian and Hanoverian and, uh, Turkoman. And those are such off-beat combinations that it's yeah. pretty obvious that that's not a horse that was backyard bred. And if you look at him, you can see the Mustang. A lot of times people behind me on the trail, when they get up to a water stop or something, and they come up alongside of him, they're shocked. They go, oh, that's not an Arab, because he's you know flying down the trail. But then they take a look at his head. And then uh-huh. they look at his feet, you know, he has, you know, he does not have a, a dish, um, and his feet are, I call them his hobbit feet, because his fetlock hair actually grows over his hooves. Oh, okay. Really long, really long fetlock hair. And he's got like eight and a half inch cannons, and he's only 14 too. Okay, so, so a solid little tank. He's very <laughs> solid, yeah. <laughs> Very solid. Okay. So now you're riding and competing into your 70s. Do you have any advice for others that want to do the same thing or aspire to maybe start endurance later in life? Well, I think probably the the only advice I would have is to not get a horse like Tahoe <laughs> <laughs> if you want to ride into your 70s. Um you know, just keep doing it, you know, keep doing it. And I, I wish that, you know, I had a horse that was quieter as, um, you know, Julie Sir says, you know, uh, safe, sane and solid or whatever, however she short. Calls it. <laughs> yeah. Um, would be ideal to have a horse that's, you know, just quieter and, um, you know, just goes down the trail. But with Tahoe, it's, I always say he's either going to keep me young or he's going to kill me. And <laughs> either one is fine. Because, <laughs> you know, it's what I love to do. And it's exciting to ride him. But that's, mm-hmm. me, you know, and that's my personality. For, for anyone else, I would suggest just, you know, <laughs> don't get a towel. <laughs> get, something, get something mellow and just trot down the trail and enjoy yourself and <laughs> relax. <laughs> Sure. Do you wear any protective gear? No, I wear a helmet. A helmet. I started okay. wearing a helmet when I was fifty-five because I was just tired of getting shamed. Because people would <laughs> look at me as I would come flying along, and they'd go, "You're not wearing a helmet." And uh, so I got a helmet, and now I would never ride without a helmet ever. And I, I know you get. Off. Yeah, you get used to them. And it's yeah. not a big deal. Well, yeah. Yeah. And when you get older, the thing is you don't bounce anymore. You know, you I just, know. when you go off, uh-huh. you just go splat. Uh-huh. You know, you don't, you don't bounce and hop back on the horse. You lay there and start counting, you know, how can I breathe? Can I move my left leg? Can I move my right leg? So <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a different thing riding when you're older, but, um, mm-hmm. 
I will ride as long as I possibly can. You know, me and Queen Elizabeth will be out there, you know, 95. And <laughs> yes, <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. So do you do any other things to keep yourself in writing shape? Um, I should, but I don't now. I have in the past. I've done yoga, and I used to do aerobics classes, but I'm still working, so my time is kind of um, limited as, as to what mm-hmm. I do, but that's just an excuse. I'm sitting here staring at my exercise bike and my step machine <laughs> right now. <laughs> that needs dusting, probably. And calling me. No, I'm pretty good because it's right in front of my um, TV, so I get on it. Oh, okay, so you do and... that. Good, mm-hmm. good. So yeah. what goals, what future goals do you have for yourself and for Tahoe? Well, COVID kind of knocked us out of the ballpark. We didn't get mm-hmm. to do any rides at all in 2020 um, because I'm in healthcare. So if I had left the county, I would have to quarantine for 14 days for every ride that I did. And I just couldn't do that because that would leave my, my patients with no care. So uh, 2020 was out for me. I couldn't, couldn't go anywhere out of the county. And I was hoping to get... Um, a decade award with Tahoe, and mm-hmm. I was only I would have gotten it this year. Okay, but because of but because of COVID, um, that didn't happen. And last year, I tried to do a fifty after not doing a fifty for over a year, and um, I didn't do well on it. Tahoe was fine, but he was way too fine, and it was just so exhausting for me to ride him for 50 miles that I realized that 50s just aren't in my future now. I mean, they're just mm-hmm. not. And it's okay. I knew that was coming. So I'm just doing um, limited distances. So I'm still hoping to get the the new award, the 10-year long Okay, good. Award. I yeah. hope so. And I do have a decade horse. Um, my other horse I rode um, for 11 years. I rode North Bay for so I do have a decade team award, and I, I really think that's that's the award that means the most to me, and means the most should mean the most to everyone who's doing endurance, because I just don't think endurance is, you know, a twenty-five or a fifty or a seventy-five. I think it's the years you put in. That's uh, really endurance. Uh-huh. You know, it is. It is. Yeah. And it's nice to see so many more people find that as an important goal for them. Oh, yeah. And oh, we're getting definitely. more and more all the time of people uh, aspiring to become a decade team with their horse. Yeah, and I think it shows that our sport is not what the outsiders think because there are very few, if any, other equine sports where the horses compete for 10 years or and more. compete mm-hmm. into their 20s. Tahoe is 26 this year. Oh, okay. And... um. You know, you you just see these older horses, and they're still going down the trail. And there's they this, are. you know perception that endurance horses are just run into the dirt, and it's just not true. I mean, you just you know you see four and five year old cutting horses with navicular disease or something. Exactly, you know? I mean, and and yes, and we're not even starting our horses competing till right. they're five or older. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, you know, I think it's just been a great a great incentive for endurance riders to have that goal in mind instead of just the, you know, oh, I want to win the next race or, oh, I want to come in top 10. You know, there's this long-term goal. And if you Mm -hmm. love endurance and love horses, you're in it for your life. 
you know. Right, so right. You yes. can have several decade horses. I know a few people who do. <laughs> <laughs> I have four. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's very fortunate. And, and, yes, you know, and it does. Lucky ones. It does help you manage your goals throughout the ride season better, oh, I think, if you have long-term goals. Yeah, and it makes, you know, the, the times, the rides that were hard and for some reason you had to go slower than you thought or or even you might get pulled or whatever, you can you can take that. You don't you don't feel devastated, you know. You right. Just, well, mm-hmm. I'll just go to the next ride, you know, and next year I, you know, next year's my ninth year. I've only got one year to go, you know, so... It it does um, give you a future. You're not mm-hmm. always. I, I remember in the past, a lot of times you would see people every year they'd have a new horse. Uh huh. Every yep. year you'd go to a ride and you'd see the same people, but they'd have a new horse every year, and they were always looking for the perfect horse. You know, or the horse that was always going to win. Right, and and, and now, it takes yeah, a while to develop really a horse. Mm-hmm. Now you see people coming with the same horse year after year and I've had people say to me when I show up at a ride oh you're still riding the same horse you know mm-hmm. <laughs> and they'd be surprised you know oh is that Ollie yes it's Ollie <laughs> you know this is year nine yes and they would be surprised and now that's not true you know now it's more like you know you do see people showing up with the same horse and I think that's great I think that's you know right. shows me we're maturing. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Once you get used to riding a horse that you're good with, it's you want to ride them forever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like you said, your goals change. You stop thinking about, you know, I want to win. I want a horse that's faster. I want a horse that's this. I want a horse that's that. And, you know, the perfect horse is out there somewhere, you know, and, and the perfect horse might be right there with you and be with you for years and years to come. Mm-hmm. And, and enjoy it, you know, just enjoy it, just love it, you know, that's, that's what I've done for 42 years. That was so fun. My gosh, I'm so inspired. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of inspiration, uh, I'm always inspired by the folks over at Lander Industries who make Renegade Hoof Boots because they make them here in the U.S. and they're, they don't innovate for innovation's sake. They innovate because they genuinely have found a way to improve a hoof boot. So what's going yes. on with you, you your hoof boots, which you've been using forever over at Renegade? Well, yes, they're great. Like you mentioned, they're made in the United States. They come in several different colors and a couple of different models. So you can find the one most suitable for your horse's hoof shape. And you can also mix and match between the uh, base of the boot and the captivators to, you know, optimally design a boot that's going to work perfectly for your horse or as perfectly as you can. Um, I've, like uh, you mentioned, I've been using the boots for quite a long time now. Um, I have two horses that did like that have done over 10,000 miles using boots, mostly renegades. So I can say without a doubt that you can ride them for a long term, long distance on a lot of different types of terrain and stuff. If you need help getting boot sizes and uh, stuff like that done, get a hold of the company. They're great to work with. You can send them photos or drawings and measurements of your horse's feet, and they will help you decide which boot will uh, work best for your horse. Uh, reach them at renegadehoofboots.com. Now, you mentioned earlier that you went to 
the AERC convention. And I suspect that there's been activity as far as inductees into the Endurance Hall of Fame. Is that right? Yes, they did the national awards. And let's just say uh, congratulations to our new AARC Hall of Fame inductees. And I'll list everybody, uh, Robert and Melissa Ribley. <clears throat> They've been involved in just about every aspect of the sport. Um, you probably remember we've had Melissa on when she and her husband managed the national championship ride a couple of years ago. And they both have also ridden an insane amount of years and miles I believe Robert has like a hundred or more one day hundreds that he's completed. So, uh, and Melissa herself has won the Hagen Cup at Tevis. So they were very deserving recipients. Uh, the Hall of Fame equine this year is Aaron Moon, who is owned by Mike Tracy, who will be our next guest. And they are one of the rare double decade teams, which means they completed together for over 20 years, actually 21 years. And our Partners Award recipient this year went to GF Brazil's NV, owned and ridden by Anne Cradoville. And the Partners Award is given to honor true a partnership between a rider and their horse. Uh, they also had a Volunteer Service Award recipient, and that was Nick Warhol, who uh, gives so much back to the sport. He puts on... Um, the endurance clinics every year, and he also marks an unmarked trail at several different rides, and he does a great job. And we gave a Ann Parr Trails Preservation Award to Troy Troyer of Illinois, who works tirelessly to support trails in the Midwest. Da, da, da. Congratulations, everybody. Yes, congratulations to all of them. <laughs> The Ph.D. equine nutritionists at Purina Animal Nutrition tackle problems using science, and their love of horses keeps them at it until they get it right. Even with the most established feeds, they keep innovating, even when it takes years of research. They don't stop until it's right. They are dedicated to the scientific method, but it can't capture the feeling of seeing a horse reach their full potential. It takes science and love to help your horses live their best life, Put their research to the test at horseinnovation.com. Our next guest is Mike Tracy, who rides and lives in the West Region. His horse, Aaron Moon, was inducted into the AARC Hall of Fame this year. And the most amazing thing about Moon is that Mike rode him for 21 ride seasons. They started together in 1989 and they rode over 6,300 miles together. And so Mike and Moon are a double decade team. Well, good morning, Mike. Thank you for joining us and congratulations on winning the Hall of Fame horse with Aaron Moon. And um, I just, uh, it's just so impressive that you rode them for 21 ride seasons. I think that's just amazing. So start, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Moon and how you came to get him and, and then compete in endurance with him for so long. Uh, my brother, um, Dennis Tracy, uh, was already involved in endurance and um, it interested me. So uh, I he actually told me, uh, you know, about this one particular horse that he saw at this it's a place called human horse connection. Uh, this lady, she sold, you know, pack and sold feed and stuff like that, but she had horses there, a few horses that she bought and sold. She's kind of a horse trader lady. 
and uh, Kathy Hopkins, I think her name was. Anyway, she, uh, he, I, so I went over there to, to look at this horse, and it was a four-year-old, and it was like 14, two, uh, you know, it looked stout, but, you know, not big or anything. And so, uh, but there was something about the horse that had that, that look about him. Um, you know, he, when I took him out of his stall and I, I tied him to a, to a post and I don't know, I went somewhere else and, uh, <laughs> he, he untied himself and we caught him, but, uh, you know, he, he had a little something to him. So anyway, so she, you know, they, he, he knew a few things already. Uh, you know, I guess she was a horse trainer and she, you know, you could tell him to back up and he'd back up on command and things like that. And, uh, but I wasn't sure that he was going to be, you know, the, I mean, cause he was only a half Arabian and he wasn't even registered. So I, you know, I had reservations. So I went and looked at other horses, uh, in Castro Valley and, uh, you know, and some, some pure Arabian horses and, but yeah, and they were more money. They, I mean, I she only wanted $400 for this horse cause he was unregistered in a half Arabian. And what uh, was his so, other half? A Welch pony. Okay. That's what I thought yep. I remembered. Yeah. It was a little, you know, mare and, and the father though was from Crow Canyon. Uh, I think it's attack. It was, he, his father was Asha Khalib, which was a stallion that this, uh, guy who also was a, had a tack shop and sold stuff. And anyway, uh, so I looked at some other horses and, um, but this horse, I just couldn't get this horse out of my mind. And so, um, I guess what it was, was, uh, as, as, as good as the confirmation was and good as he looked and as intelligent he was, she didn't sell him right away because of he, cause he basically was green broke. Um, I guess there were some ladies that went and looked at him and, I just, they just figured that the horse was too much for him because he was still bucking and, you know, kicking and all that kind of stuff. So, <laughs> but so anyway, so, so to make a long story short, I went to, uh, I went back there and looked at him again and, and seen him, you know, running around the arena and, and, and you know, he, for $400, he, 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 you know, he, uh, he, he trotted around the arena and started galloping, but it was, it was like he, he was $400, but he had that look at his head up in the air. It's like, Hey, I'm $4,000. You know, uh-huh. he had that, you know, like that arrogant, proud look, you know, like I'm not just some little, you know, half breed, you know I mean? He, 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 the way he carried himself was like, he was more than what he was. I mean, physically, I mean, on the on paper, $400 is really nothing for an Arabian horse. Anyway, so uh, I, I took it one step further. Uh, I went and uh, before I purchased them, I went and uh, hired a, a veterinarian to come out and look at them and examine them. See, you know, see if there was anything wrong with them. You know, any, you know, something that would inhibit him from doing endurance. And the, the vet examined them, and, and I said, "Well, you know, can this horse? You think this horse can do fifty or hundred mile endurance ride?" He said, yeah, he said, he's very, very stout, very, uh, strong looking animal, you know? And of course you and I both know that at four, you know, they can still grow. I think they can grow till seven Arabians. Uh-huh. And, 
And so he ended up being like 15, one, you know, uh, at, when he was older, okay. you know, so, mm-hmm. so that wasn't, that, that, that really wasn't an issue. Uh, I don't prefer a real tall horse anyway, hard to get on, you know, anyway. So, so that's, that's what took place. And I, so I did, I ended, she did, so the vet said he's good. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't think you have any problem with this horse doing endurance. So I, I ended up buying the horse. And he clearly worked out well for you. Yeah. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. 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 That's a, a 21 years to ride a horse is just wonderful. Um, so tell us, did you take them? Um, what kind of rides were you, um, you know, that you were more interested in taking them on? Like, were you interested in doing Tevis or hundreds? Well, I mean, I started out baby steps, obviously. I mean, I, I the first ride, he was four and a half, and I, I put him in a, uh, I think it was Oakland Hills, but I put him in a 25-miler. Uh-huh. And and it, it, it was one of those things where there was a guy, he, I had him at this place called, uh, oh, what's the name of it? Uh, OD Ranch in Union City. And I had him boarded up there, and there was a guy there that was going to also, with a full Arabian, and he was kind of bragging about how great and fast his horse was. So um, he said, I'm going to go in this, this Oakland Hills 25 mile or two and I'll beat you and all this. You know? so, okay. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. And so we go into to this 25 miler and sure enough, this guy was, we were neck and neck every, for every vet check. This guy was right, right with me. And, but uh, coming in, I think, I don't know, it was the second or the last or I can't remember how far it was in the race, but it was that thing. And, um, so I know a little bit about, uh, what, what takes place with a horse, uh, because this horse moved, I mean, he was fast. I mean, you know, I mean, he, this was completely fast horse. He had an amazing trot. The horses had to gallop to stay up to with his trot. So this horse mm-hmm. was really pushing to stay with Moon, And we, and so we were galloping and, you know, and come right before the, the one of the vet checks, uh, and he's neck and neck with Moon, and Moon was fast. And I looked over at him, and uh, huh, there was blood coming out of his nostrils. The other horse, this man's horse. Oh boy! Yeah, that's how hard he was pushing to stay with Moon. So I knew Moon oh, was no. fast. And so what it was was uh, it, it, anyway. Make a long story short, he got he, they, they examined and they and they they pulled him from the race. But it, but I know because it because it, it happened right in front of me. All it was was like bloke, broken capillaries. Sure. Yeah, I've seen that before too. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, I mean, anyway, so, so I finished the race. Well, I did, I did finish the race, but I, what happened is, um, as you know, it's very common in endurance, um, especially when there's a lot of trees and stuff, I got lost. And, uh, instead of doing 25, I ended up doing like, you know, 40 or something. I, uh-huh. <laughs> I was way, way <laughs> off the course. I'm a 40 or 40. So I, so I, I, I finished, I got my completion. But I didn't, you know, get first or second because I, okay. I missed all the flags or whatever. And uh-huh. so, but since I since I did all forty five miles, I thought, well, gee, you know. Uh, and he was it was any finish sound as a dollar, you know. And so uh, I, I thought, well, I, why should I do another? Tw- I'll just do a fifty next. So the next race I did, I did a fifty. And so, and and he finished real good. It was first, I think, first heavyweight or second heavyweight, and um, it was. I don't know, was it 10th or 11th, 11th or something, uh-huh. not top 10, but, but close to it, 11th, mm-hmm. I think. I think uh, Hugh Vanderford beat me or something, but anyway, oh, okay. 
but I, but again, I, and I got 11 because again, I got lost. It was, uh, or I would have been top 10. You got, got well, did you ever learn how to follow a trail? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I, I, you know, if I've had Your every, first couple. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, you know, you look at the ribbons and stuff and uh, I don't, you know, but you're in the forest, you know, and, sure, and if the ribbon gets knocked down. To miss a it's turn. Easy. Uh-huh. It's easy. I missed the it turn. Is. It's, the first 50, I missed a turn. And, I, you know, I ended up, again, going more than 50, you know. But but I did finish, and I got the, you know, the second, I think, second heavyweight or something, whatever it was. But, um, but yeah, that's I've lost a lot of top tens because of the, the, the you know, it's just. Oh, uh, uh, okay. I, yeah. had one, I had one of that same course where, um this is this is this wasn't this race not, not not my first 50 but that same course uh it was um at the uh, fairgrounds it was a, like where they have the firecracker 50 and then it's uh, that henry cow hope thing where it goes up to observatory and all that i'm sure you've done it you've done so many rides and uh what happened was uh there were like i don't know they're runners or joggers or somebody they sabotaged the trail they pulled oh, the ribbons off. Oh no! Yeah, that that's happened. I know it does. Yeah, <laughs> it happened yeah. to me. Jeez. So, yeah. did you ever come off of him? How was he as you know to ride on various terrain and stuff? Did he oh, ever dump yeah, you I mean, off? I, oh yeah. I mean, I got I got thrown sideways. He he would he would run. Um, you know, he'd run. I, I had him out in this ten acres that I rented, and I was on him, and I remember him. Uh, uh, you know, he was full of spunk and he started galloping <laughs> and uh, he galloped, but, but he put his head down and he galloped and he put his head down and galloped and then bucked. And I went over the, over, uh-huh. over his head and on the, on the ground. But uh, yeah, the, but I mean, I've, then I, later on in his career, I had some, some pretty, I had a dangerous, uh, uh, it was at uh, Quicksilver uh, 50 and I was in second place. And um, I had that spirit of competition, which isn't the best thing to have. You have to have you use logic when you're racing, you use strategy. Mm-hmm. And as somebody, and I was a rookie, I didn't know. I mean, I was like my second, you know, second 50, and I was in second place, and I was all pumped up, right? So uh, it was, I'll tell you where it was at. It was right by the Lexington Reservoir. And um, and I saw this, this, this lady ahead of me, and I could see her, and I knew she was in first place. And so I remember this, uh, I think it was that guy who had a bot, uh, he sells that boss saddles or something. I was at a trade show and he said, Oh yeah, you, you can, you know, run them downhill and this and that. And I thought, well, you know, I didn't, I was kind of a rookie. So I ran them, I ran them to catch this girl and I was catch. I was, I would have caught her. Uh, but what happened is, uh, there was water coming down from the mountain and it, it went across the trail. Uh, it was early in the season. And uh, his left front slipped out from under him, and he went sideways. And so I put my hand out and I had to protect my face. And I obviously he, you know, and my elbow hit my ribs. I had a chest protector on, fortunately, and a helmet, and mm-hmm. it kind of shook me up, shook me up a little bit. But uh, and then he, you know, he was down. And I got up and I looked at him, and I couldn't see nothing. So uh, he was his legs or anything were all right. The light, no late, Later on, did I find out when I brought over uh, John Reddy go Valenzuela that he uh, he had you know he had his ribs were out because he landed sideways, but oh. he but he but he but he finished the race sound. He he passed all the vet checks, but 
but I didn't know, but this is this early, one of my early races. He, he, uh, when I put my elbow and I put my hand out, um, you know, the, you know, people say, well, if you get something broken, you, you, you can't move it. Well, I, I could still move my right arm, but I had my right arm. Uh, it felt really bad. And so, but I just, you know, you just, you're in a race. So you, the adrenaline, so you just keep uh-huh. going. Yeah. Uh, I found out later that it actually it broke the tip of my elbow off and tore my tricep, but I could still move Ooh. my. Oh my I could gosh. still go up and down with my uh-huh. arm, you know. And I ended up finishing, um, which is pretty good. I think I got because it was when I was on the ground. I mean, people were passing me, you know, before I got back on up again. Yeah, so I, I, yeah. Got, I got, I got, I got, I got fourth place. So uh, and I, so I finished, but I, I must have went, you know, like forty miles with a broken arm, which I didn't know. Um, but so, anyway, so what so was your, what was, was your favorite distance on him? Like, was it a 50, a multi-day or a hundred? Um, I would say probably, I don't know, uh, probably, probably 50, uh, mm-hmm. because it's, because 50s are easier. Uh, hundreds, uh-huh. like Tevis and stuff like that. I mean, they're so arduous, you know, <laughs> I mean, you're out there for, you know, 15, 16 hours and, you know, uh, you know, more. I don't know. Uh-huh. So, yeah. For, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's easier, I think for a, a 15 and they're easy. I mean, I've done four hour fifties. That's how fast that horse was. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. Done, yeah. I, I remember I, riding I, with you and you, you were, uh, you were usually coming in to finish and I was going out on the last loop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. 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 Yeah, you could cruise. I remember that horse could really trot. He was a mover. Yeah, he had, that's 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 one of the reasons why I believe that he lasted so long is because he he didn't have to come off the ground. He could trot. Horses would have to lope to stay with his trot, uh-huh. and he had that because he had that, he's got that Welsh pony in him. You know, ponies are fast. They got fast little trots, and so he had that trot, and he. He had a long body. He wasn't, you know, he's 15 hands, you know, when he was, you know, seven or eight, but he, he had a long body. I measured him one time and his, the length of his body was longer than I had a 16 hand horse, uh, okay. Egyptian Arabian uh-huh. bear, but, but, and she was taller than the moon, obviously 16 hands. He was 15, 15, one, but, uh, her, his body was longer. So I guess his, his stride when he went out with mm-hmm. with his front leg was he covered more ground. And so that, I mean, I think that helped him in his career. Plus, you know, sure. I use, I use, I use the aquathotics. I think that takes away the concussion. I use them uh, on his mm-hmm. front okay. end. And later on, I use them for the rear end. Okay. Well, that leads me to my next question for you, for people that are aspiring to reach a decade team or just a longevity type um, career with their horse. What advice do you have? Well, I mean, you know, you have to, you have to use logic and, 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 uh, and, and you know, like you say, you know, what goals do you have? Do you just, do you just want to finish the 50 or the hundred or do you want a top 10? And th- and there is a difference. There is mm-hmm. a difference. Um, you know, uh, there's, a, I think his name was John, just a John Park who had, he had the horse, the little short horse, uh, Icelandic, the Icelandic horse. Uh-huh. right. And that, uh, I think it ended up with 10,000 miles or something. Uh-huh. Uh, and, but again, he didn't, he wasn't getting top tens 
all he, and he was doing like 10 hour fifties just to mm-hmm. finish. And he had, and he doing multi-day rides and stuff. So, I mean, that's, I guess that's all he wanted was just to get a lot of miles. Mm-hmm. I, to be quite, to be quite frank with you, uh, I really didn't care about miles, you know, um, at all. I mean, I, mm-hmm. and I didn't like doing, I did multi-day rides. I did, uh, you know, in fact, the last, I thought that was very impressive. He did the, and I don't know if you ever did the ride, but it was um, Vulture Venture. It was uh, Mount Rose there. And uh, I don't know, it was in Castro Valley, kind of by Mount Diablo. Okay. Um, and, and it was, but it was all hills. And it was, um, and it was a two-day, 150 miles one day, 50 miles the next day. But every day was a tough 50, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, and Moon got um with his two-day time was uh he got he tied for first with melissa ribley's horse um uh and i got a halter for it for top 10 but he was 25 years old oh nice uh-huh yeah yeah so for him to do that well at that uh, you know at that age he was a tough at that age tough horse for sure so uh what are your future goals i understand now you have a new horse what are your plans well, I'm going to start out doing a 25, same thing as Moon, and then if he does well, then I'll I'll go 50. If he does well, I'll do 100. So how soon do you think you'll have him ready to do that first 25? Oh, I'll, it'll be this season. Okay, oh, I mean, well, maybe uh, I'll see uh, you out there with my new horse. Well, thanks a lot for hanging out yeah. with us today, Mike. We appreciate all your stories. I'm tired just listening to Mike talk about those rides. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I'm tired, I think it's time to wrap things up. You can find links to today's show at horsesinthemorning.com, obviously. If you haven't done so already, you need to hop onto Facebook and follow us there. It's Horses in the Morning. On Twitter, our handle is Horse Radio. If you haven't done so already, download the free Horse Radio Network app for your iPhone or your Android. It's super easy. Just go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. For people who want to keep track of what Karen chatting is up to how can they appropriately stalk you online uh, just look up my name on uh twitter facebook or instagram karen chat and you'll be seeing lots of photos of my horses of course there you go (laughs) all right we'll see ya